In the fall each year we all congregate The bound all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a precious Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show. I'm your host, Seth Saunders, joined as always by my co-host, James Kim. And we are beyond delighted today to be joined by our first guest picker of the year to preview the Oregon game, DGD return guest and voice of Sanford Stadium, Brooke Whitmire. Brooke, welcome back, brother. Yeah, thank you, brother James. Great to be with y'all. So, I mean, we're here, boys. We have finally made it. After the long, dark valley, football season is here. The dogs will be back in action in three days. Todd Gurley, days away. So let's mm. all just share in that elation for a minute. <laughs> Hard to believe. Now, important question here, Brooke. Are you going to be in Atlanta on Saturday, or are you watching from the homestead? Seth, I'm going to be there. And yes. I wait. I, I, you know, it's – um not a huge fan of the neutral game concept from a or neutral side game driving past Clemson last year to get to Charlotte just didn't feel right you know growing yeah. up going back and forth from Death Valley so but at the same time hey man the defending national champs are kicking it off against the Ducks I yeah I gotta be there so I'll be there with bells on how about you guys we are we're both flying in. James is flying in from Virginia. I'm flying in from Charleston. And, Brooke, we are leaving at ungodly hours on Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've got an early drive to get over there from Athens, but I'm sure you guys do. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Doesn't surprise well, me in the league. James, what time you get in? 7 o'clock? That's when you land in Atlanta? Yeah, my flight leaves at 5.38. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. How many, yes. how many alarms can I have said, James? Are you uh, a multi-alarm guy or is there no, no, uh, no, I have, I have six kids, so I'm a one alarm guy. Cause I have to get up and get them up. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Are you major hall pass to get on the plane, come down to. For the <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. We both got, we both got about 36 hour windows that were free. So it's going to be uh, <laughs> it's going to be a blast. And my, uh, my, my brother is driving down from Charlotte. So It'll be a lot of fun. We did Clemson together last year in, in Charlotte, which was great because it was home game for him. So we stayed at his place. So that was nice, Perfect. you know, having that logistical hurdle removed. And then what, uh, 2019, we didn't do anything COVID year, but 2019, we all flew out to Nashville for the opener against Vandy and did that one together. So, yeah, it was, it was fun. And we're fired up about this one. So it'll be a good time. Um, we will both be in Atlanta, I think, before 7 o'clock. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 which is, yeah, it's going to be great. And, and I'm getting excited. I am. Well, let me start with this free break. I know we talked about this a little bit when we had you on to hear your story, but our road games kind of fun for you or neutral site games kind of fun for you. Cause it's not so much pressure, right? Like I know you love home games and love getting to do what you do, but you also have a lot on your shoulders for those games. Whereas with this, you kind of get to sit back and consume it like the rest of us. Is that a nice release for those events? You're precisely correct, Seth. And it is, uh, it, it's also a chance to 
enjoy tailgating without thinking, oh gosh, I got to get out of here and get there a little bit earlier than I would like to. So um, yeah, man, it's a lot of fun. I always look forward to it. And, and I think for all of us, I'm sure you guys are the same way. Pinch yourself again, we're the defending national champions and we, we start again Saturday, which I'm, I'm like, y'all, it, it, people ask me all the time, hey man, you ready for the season? And it really has not hit me. And it kind of is even as we sit here and talk this afternoon. But yeah, it'll be fun. Looking forward to it. I always enjoy being able to yell and scream and not be worried about whether or not that came over the microphone when it shouldn't have or something like that. So now you have a unique perspective because you've been in Athens. James and I are not. So tell us a little bit about what it's been like there, you know, since January 10th and and through the spring and into the summer. Has there been a different feel around town? Because James and I have talked a lot on the show about how this has been a really different offseason for us as fans because there's just anticipation is the wrong word, but there's not this urgent anticipation. Does that make sense? There's not this thing that we're waiting for. It's almost like you're still reveling in what was accomplished. I think that's, I think you're right. And I, I will tell you that from my perspective in Athens, you just get reminded a lot that we're national champions and it's great to go in a bar, a restaurant, grocery store, wherever you're going and, and see that and be reminded of it. The vibe is better. You know, they say a, what is the old expression? We've all heard it. The, the rising tide lifts all boats. Right. Everything in Georgia just welcomed, and I'm thrilled that my son's a part of it, the largest freshman class ever. The applications were through the roof. Fundraising has been through the roof. I mean, it's just and – and I think that feeling is the absence of the monkey that we've all had on the back for a while. Yep. I mean, we won it. And, I mean, yeah, sure, there were a couple of times along the way we could have had one in the last number of years or two. And but now we've got one. We're the defending champs. And it's just I don't know. The air is one of certainly excitement and anticipation. But I'm I'm like you. I struggle to find the word because it is different. And I rather suspect that this is maybe how it felt before Tennessee came to town in 1981 after the after the one in 1980. Uh, But it's an exciting feeling. Town's alive and it's um, it's time to get it going. Well, the good news is none of us have to worry about the general, Kirby Paul Smart, being complacent or living in last year. He has completely turned the page, and he was as spicy as you would want him to be at his press conference last night, which I loved. Obviously, one of the big storylines this week has been Stetson coming out and given some of his pregame songs that he listened to the one buzz one being bubbly by Colby Calais, which everybody had a fun time with. <laughs> and of course, all the pool reporters couldn't wait to ask coach smart about his pregame set list. And he was essentially like, I don't know what to listen to. If I don't like it, I just change it to the next song. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> so he is yeah. ready to rock and I am all about it. Um, And also, and we've talked about it, but I do want to touch on it because I do think it's important. He was prompted or not even prompted. He just brought it up, but said, hey, look, we will not be hunted at the University of Georgia. We will be the ones doing the hunting. And I thought that was an important kind of stake to place in the ground that, look, I don't care what we did last year. Nothing has changed here. The expectation is still excellence. And that will continue to be the case going forward. And, and it feels that way. I mean, I am, my expectation is that as a fan, 
And so I think that has to translate into the locker room. And Brooke, we talked a little bit about this when you were with us last time, that there had to be a necessary shift even within the fan base from a mindset perspective. And I think that's still happening now that George is on the top of the mountaintop because now it's, oh no, when is that other shoe going to drop instead of it going, nope, we're just going to be as awesome as we were last year and we're expecting to go out and mop the floor with Oregon, right? Do y'all, do y'all feel that? Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a very, uh, I think, salient observation Seth, it, it, it's so much of this is mental, as we know, and there's no question about it. And he comes by it naturally. I mean, that's who the man is. Kirby Smart it is – we're going to be on the offensive always, whether that's recruiting, whether that's coaching, whether that's playing, whatever. And, in fact, I, I will tell you all that um, I, I'm actually a football letterman as a result of being a trainer for a few years there. And I went to a, a, a little deal that Kirby had – a couple of Saturdays ago where he invited the letterman to come back, had a little lunch and then watched the scrimmage, which was very interesting. And I can tell you in that environment, it's the same thing. I mean, it, it's last year's great. We got the sign hung up that says national champions. That's great, but we're moving on and it's time to get going and it's time to be the hunter. And I think from a fan's perspective, you know, just as Clemson after they were known for Clemsoning all those years and never right. getting over when they did it, we're, that's over. I don't want to hear another person say, you know, the moment something goes wrong, oh, well, only Georgia or what? No, that's, it's a new day. That said, all you got to do is look at the history books. It's awfully hard to repeat as a national champion. Mm-hmm. Hey, do we have a shot? Absolutely. For all the reasons that we celebrate that we have a shot, because we've got, we got the coaches and the players and, 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 the, and the fans to do it. But man, alive, a great season. Any year, if you're a if you're a top ten team and you're playing for a championship or even a conference championship, that's a great year. And so I think we all don't need to lose our minds or our sense of reality that you know these things are hard to do and a lot has to go right. And though I totally agree with and endorse and support the mentality that we're hunting, the reality also is we're the most important game on everybody's schedule that we play. There's not yep. a single school that won't look and say, we're circling that day because we got Georgia, whether that's Sanford, whether that's Tennessee, whether that's Alabama, should we see them again uh, down the road? So, you know, yeah, we're the hunter, but make no mistake, people think that they're coming to hunt us because we're now the guy on top of the mountain, plain and simple. So it was an apropos comparison i think for kirby to use that verbiage especially given who the opponent is week one uh playing the ducks in the bins so going to be a duck hunt that has been the trope that's been all summer and we'll go with it i love it and i love all the hearkening back to the the nintendo game from the 80s all those graphics that the football creative team has done have been awesome um but in some ways you know it's not a familiar opponent, but a lot of familiar things about the opponent. Bo Nick's going to be behind center for the Ducks. Uh, Dan Lanning occupying the sideline for Oregon in his first game as head coach. So a lot of familiar things there. As we are moving towards kick at 3.30 on Saturday, Brooke, what are the main things that you are looking towards uh, with the game? All that you just said, Seth, is very, uh, very important and I think there's some familiarity there that normally necessarily wouldn't be there if you're playing somebody from across the country that you hadn't played in 30 some odd years 
That said, it all goes out the window when you line it up. It's blocking, it's tackling, it's execution. I do think, and a lot of people make a big deal out of this, I, I, I think you could overplay this or underplay it. The fact that they have not had practice limitations like we have, I, I think is significant in that, you know, we're, we went inside yesterday because there were unbelievable storms came through here, and that was a day that we had marked to be outside. And they adjust. Oh, that's great. And then we're well coached and not worried about that in the least. But I do think that that's a piece that is uh, – there's just more preparation. There's more reps. So I know I'm sounding like Coach Dooley or Larry Munson here being concerned. Bob, <laughs> starting off with a significant great opponent, we're going to be ready. I, I'm all in on the dogs. I think we're going to take care of business. I would tell you that as a dog, probably my biggest concern and what I'm looking to see with a lot of interest on Saturday is the kicking game. Because I really believe, and I think we might have talked about this before, Seth, I don't think Jake Camarda will ever get the appreciation and the, the, the understanding of what he did that he deserves. He was unbelievable last year, punting, kicking off, and those things, you know – it just takes certain things off the table that may be on the table. And I, we've got some great guys coming in and it's the next man up and all of that. But I do know they've looked hard at the combination that they'll eventually settle on in terms of who's doing what in the kicking game, because golly, I mean, those things matter. They really field position is the name of the game. I don't care what anybody says. That's if you want a predictor of how things are going to go, it's look at field position and look at average starting field position and look at, where we are in the return game versus the other guy and so forth. So I'm very curious to see the kicking game under the lights and Mercedes Benz at 3:30 Saturday, along with everything else. My goodness, we you know it's. I, I will say this, y'all. I was just amazed, and we know this, and we've seen it. You know, you go back and watch film, you see it, but then you also see it in person with games or practices or whatever. Go to that scrimmage, y'all. There's just football players and athletes everywhere. I'm looking for names. The numbers because I got to get ready for the net and, and there's a large percentage and Kirby mentioned it that, that day at this lunch uh, man we got a large percentage of young guys that are going to play and that's the way it is everywhere these days so from my standpoint I'm just trying to figure out names and numbers but you look and there are athletes that are going to be on the field that frankly have just not gotten the opportunity yet because they're playing behind first round draft picks so I'm excited to see it's always interesting to see all right, who are we going to be talking about Saturday night? Last year, I made the easy prediction to the my family and others sitting with me. I'm like, in an hour, you're going to be talking about Brock Bowers. And we were. Yeah. There's a lot of names you could choose from, but it's going to be fun to see when you guys get back on the plane to, to turn in the hall pass at the end of the weekend, who are you talking about? Uh, that's a couple great points there. First one is the kicking game. I love that you brought that up. That has been something, and we talk about this on the show a lot. Kirby tells you what he wants to tell you. And if you learn to understand what he's trying to say, you will know all summer parsing his words. He is lukewarm about the kicking game right now. You can just hear it every time he gets asked about it. He's non-committal about it. it that just tells me he's, he's got some trepidation about how it's going to be. And you bring up a great point. Jake was absolutely fantastic. It, that was a phase of the game. We knew we were going to win every week. And it's been a long time since I think you could just bank that away on both sides of the ball. And, and they've instilled a great culture where starters want to play special teams. And I think that's the sign of an outstanding program. So that will obviously still be in place, but they haven't settled on who the kickoff specialist is going to be yet. Jack and Jared. Uh, uh, oh, cool. 
Zirkle. That's right. Zirkle yep. are still fighting that out. You've got the punter from down under, Brett Thorson, uh, trying to stake his claim to the punting duties. They haven't hard settled on that, which I think everybody's assumption was that it was going to be him. So that is a very interesting thing to watch. Um, those field flippers, man, they're just important. Mm. So that, that's a big one to watch on Saturday. And uh, I'm also glad you bring up who are we going to be talking about. Two of them last year for us that I think, just like Jake, I don't know if we'll ever get their full due is Channing Tindall and Quay Walker who had them on their bingo card last year as guys that were going to be vital to that defense and eventual high draft picks. I mean, if people say they did their line, I mean, that's just a fact. They didn't have them. So those guys were immeasurably good and just sideline to sideline havoc wreakers. So who fills those shoes now? Everybody talks about Nakobe and Jordan and Lewis, and, and we should talk about them. They were generational talents. But we're also replacing other big-time names that, that it'll be interesting to see who fills those shoes. Um, mm. As we get prepared for Saturday, on the Oregon side, I want to draw y'all back to two results from their schedule last year. And the first one is uh, near the end of the season when Oregon was number three in the country, nine and one, right on the cusp of a CFB playoff spot with their destiny in their own hands. They had to play Utah, and Utah – walked the dog on them, beat them 38 to seven, ran the ball 50 times, boys, 50 mm. times. That just tells you what did they see on tape. We're going to punch them in the mouth all day and there's not a thing they're going to do about it. And that is exactly what they did. And guess what? They had to turn around and play them in the Pac-12 championship game, 38 to 10, ran the ball 40 times that game. Didn't change the game plan one iota. I bring all that up to say for me, like it is every week. And me and James talked about this last week on our episode. The game is going to come down to the trenches. And James, I thought, succinctly brought up last week. Oregon's defensive line, if they cannot do anything to control the line of scrimmage against our offensive line, then the spread works, I think. Yeah, we're going to we're going to walk the dog. On them. I think we'll do whatever we want all night long. And Kenny and possibly Kendall might both rush for 100 yards. If that doesn't come to fruition, I think then Oregon's going to bust the spread. So we'll see. I mean, where are y'all sitting on that? Is that something y'all are looking at or what do you think? James, I'll defer to you. I want to I want to hear your thoughts. Okay. Well, first off, I want to hark back to last season. I called both those Oregon blowouts. And True. Both of our picks. You did. You did. So, um, yeah, I am a trenches guy. I love talking about the trenches. So I think that we're going to run a lot of three tight end sets. I think we're going to come out exactly like Oregon did to start off with to see how laning is going to adjust this defense. Cause the laning's too smart to come out and run what Oregon did last year, knowing what we know. Right. He's just not going to do that. So it depends on – it's a game of adjustments how Laney is going to adjust the defense. If we can neutralize their defensive line and get to their linebackers, because Flo and Sewell are two first-round talented linebackers. They just – they're amazing. If we can get to them, if our guards can get to them, like you said, we're going to have – we're going to run the ball down their throat. And I think we can. I think we have talent at the interior with – Rattledge, if he plays, Willick, and, you know, I love SBP. So if those three, those three are talented enough to get to the linebackers, the game's over. 
Yeah. We're just going to, we're going to control the clock. We're going to have the ball 38 minutes a game. And I told you last week or two weeks ago, when we first started talking about this, I see this game playing out a lot like the 14 Clemson game. I think it's going to be tight early. And I think our running game takes over late and we win by three scores. I, I, I absolutely love that analysis, James. And I will tell you that I, I think you're spot on and I'm a trenches guy too. I mean, it, it's, I think the data bears us out on this, but with all the changes over the years with offenses and the speed and everything else, it still comes down to, can you run and can you stop the run? And if you can do that, it makes it difficult. It's, it is an interesting chess match when you bring up Dan Lanning and of course, Todd Munkin. And I'm like you, if, if with the tight ends that we have, it's hard for me to imagine never having, I can't imagine a time where you wouldn't want at least two of them on the field. I know I would, yeah. but there's a lot to work through yeah. with that. And I'm sure they're chess massing, matching this thing two or three moves down the road, depending on what we think Coach Lanning would expect, obviously, knowing us as he does. And then we know what we expect on the other side as well. So it's going to be fascinating. But, man, alive, you know like I do, boys, if you line up and it's it's third and three and you can run a toss sweep and go get that linebacker and get six yards, that's demoralizing. And the – the, the, the plays where you're getting two, three, four yards in the first quarter and to your point, James, like Clemson in the fourth quarter, you're getting six or eight or ten or you're busting one. That's the quickest way to break somebody's will to win. So hopefully that's the case. And um, I know we all know Kirby Smart would like for it to be because that's his DNA as well. He wants to pound them. He wants to out physical. And I, and I do believe um, Kirby said something interesting, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's probably said this publicly as well, but I was interested in what comedy made that day at the scrimmage that last year we knew a little bit more about what we had. And I think they've had to be a little more physical this year, a little more contact in practice in order to kind of determine what we have more so than last year. So I look for Georgia to be as physical, if not more physical than ever. And I can't wait to see it. Yeah, there's a lot of flips from last year, I think. You know, last year I would submit that the two deep on offense wasn't completely settled and we all probably didn't feel completely secure in the offensive two deep, whereas the defense was the inverse. You knew we had depth there. You knew you had guys that could play. You knew you had guys that had taken snaps and been under the lights. And it's, it's a flip this year. I mean, the offense is going to be real deep. And you kind of know what you're getting on that side of the football from Georgia's perspective and defense. You're not just replacing talent. You're replacing NFL drafted talent. So (laughs) we're going to learn a lot in these next few weeks. And obviously this is putting the cart before the horse a little bit, but it it does make that South Carolina game at noon in Columbia. Interesting. I think, because you're going to have a lot of young kids playing their first true SEC road game in a hotter-than-the-surface-of-the-sun environment with a very hostile crowd. So I, that's going to be interesting. And, and I think Saturday afternoon and evening will, will tell us a bit. I think we're going to see some people and be exposed to some people that we haven't seen before. I mean, look at the, look at the edge. We're going to see Kamari Lasser get a bunch of playing time at that second corner position. Right. We're, we're, we're going to see some faces that we haven't seen yet, and we're going to see how they respond when the speed is what it is. I mean, at inside linebacker, it, it's a blank slate, boys. I mean, JDJ Pop is going to take over. A, you talk about some gigantic shoes to step into. you got to step into Kobe Dean's shoes and, and play that role. And um, 
it's looking like Tresman's probably going to get a lot of run at the other inside linebacker, but I'm sure they're going to rotate it a bunch. Uh, but to your point, Brooke, that's been the biggest change for me as a fan of the program. You go out to see them, and it's 1 to 100 on the roster. You go, this kid is like 25 years old. Like, they're just built like grown men up and down the roster, and that was not always the case. Yeah. So yeah. that's why as a fan, I'm just less nervous about it, I guess, because you know they've got – I mean, what, what's the thing we always talk about? It's, it's not the X's and the O's. It's the Jimmy's and the Joe's, right? And – they got plenty of Jimmys and Joes, boys. I mean, <laughs> they're not short in the cupboard on that. So that makes you feel good, and, and you got to have a lot of faith. And, and we talked about this a little bit, too. I thought it was very interesting at SEC Media Days that Kirby brought up. This is the coaching staff that he was most excited about. So when he says something like that, you kind of go, oh, well, I like hearing that because that means everybody's getting the talent elevation that they need from a coaching perspective. So all those things have me fired up. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Let's uh, we'll talk some more about this game in a bit, but but let's talk about the national games. Brooke, you're our first guest picker this year in the quest for the the 10 pounds of red. I mean, I would love to see you sporting the 10 pounds of red in the announcer's booth for a game at the end of the year. So we're rooting for you a little bit. I'm just going to say that. So. um, All right. We got we got a good slate of games this week. It's a fun slate. We are going to start with the. Uh, restarting of one of our favorite rivalries in all of college football, and that is the backyard brawl. The Mountaineers are riding up the road a little bit to visit Pitt. Um, a couple interesting storylines about this game, but the spread on this, Pitt is a seven-and-a-half-point home favorite. That's a Thursday night kick at 7 o'clock. We always start with our guests. So, Brooke, who do you like in that one? You know, I, I like a lot of these games, boys, I – some interesting lines, some interesting storylines, particularly as you mentioned the the um, the hiatus of that game for a little while. I'm going with the Panthers. I think they're going to cover, and I just um, I just I'm a pit guy this week. Still got, hurt James? from Dan Reno in 1981. <laughs> never get over that. So there's a little trepidation there, but I I think the Panthers get it done. How about you, James? Week one is always the hardest week to pick. So I try to look for people who are going to try to come out of the gate firing. And I mean, this is it for Neil Brown. If he doesn't turn this program around this year, I mean, this is it. And let's be realistic. This is JT's last shot too. And this is his third program. If he doesn't do something this year, this is his pretty much last shot at the league. So I don't know if they win, but I think this game is going to be really close. Um, Big rivalry game. I mean, they haven't played in, what, six years, I think. I think it's going to be close. I'm going to go with the Mountaineers to cover. Um, that's part of a little bit of heart. One of my best friends is, is uh, has ties to the Mountaineers. He lives in Morgantown. So I, I think it's going to be close. I, I'm going with the Mountaineers to cover. I, I think Pitt wins, though. Okay. You know your boy loves a storyline. So let me throw some storylines. Oh, sure. Here we okay. go. Starting quarterback for the Mountaineers, former Georgia quarterback, JT Daniels. Starting quarterback for the Pitt Panthers, USC transfer Kadon Slovis, who replaced JT Daniels after he was injured in 2019. The offensive coordinator for the Trojans that year in 2019 was none other than former Texas Tech quarterback Graham Harrell, who is now the offensive coordinator for the Mountaineers. So all the college football worlds are colliding on Thursday night 
in Pittsburgh. And I just think it's a juicy matchup and I absolutely love it. Um, but to your point, James, I agree with a lot of that. I think JT's got a lot to prove. And you know, I've always been a fan of his. Uh, I love Trevor Moad. Um, rest in peace. Loved, loved his effect on the college football world. Loved the books that he wrote. Um, and in his book, uh, his first book, he talked a lot about JT, their relationship, and the things that he saw in him that would lead to his future success. And I don't think any of that's changed. He was, I mean, you talk about doing everything the right way last year. It was very Jacob Eason-like in my mind, uh, no how, Jacob, how Jacob was in 2017. and No different than with Jacob. I always respect Jacob Eason and root for him for how he handled all that, and I'll always be that way with JT. So some of this is a heart pick, but I, I like JT to come out and have a really nice night on Thursday night, comfortable with Graham Harrell, something he's familiar with, and I think he's going to have the tools to succeed. I'm with you, James. I don't know if I'm going to be as bold as to say they're going to win outright, but I'm going to take them to cover the number. So so that's where I sit. But either way, fired up for that ball game. My heart right. is with you guys. I got to tell you, my heart is with you on that one. And uh, All right, so another, another Thursday night tilt. We've got James Franklin and the Nittany Lions traveling to play Jeff Brahms, Purdue Boilermakers. And I think it's an interesting number. Uh, Purdue is a three-and-a-half-point home dog. Uh, always a tough team to pick for me. I picked them a couple times last year and they burnt me. James can attest to all that. But uh, what do you think about this one, Brooke? You know, I, this one more than any of this was the last one I could get comfortable with, and I'm not even sure if I'm comfortable with it yet. I At Purdue on a Thursday night, I, I could see the environment being such that they not only cover, but they win the game. And um, I, so I, I'm, I'm tempted to go with the Boilermakers. James Franklin's sort of a mixed bag sometimes, um, but my my gut tells me that Penn State covers. They they win obviously by covering. Maybe not super close, but it, by no means a blowout. That said, would it surprise me if Purdue catches fire and and wins going away? It would not, because I think it's just one of those like like has already been mentioned. It's it's tough early in the year, and that's one of those ones when you. Look at the history of who does what against the spread as the, you know, as the home dog or the away favorite. At the end of the day, we don't know because nothing's happened yet. And they're going to kick it off. But I, I'm going to go with the Nittany Lions. And again, what that says about me in successive games, picking schools that we lost to in successive Sugar Bowls to cover. <laughs> I don't know. I'm probably going to regret it, but I'm, I'm going to go with the Nittany Lions. What you think, James? This is going to be a very ugly game. Uh, this very well could be the like the Wisconsin Penn State game to start the season last year. Like just what, what was that game like ten six or something? I don't know. It was just it was atrocious. It set it set football back decades. I think Purdue covers. I have no idea who's going to win this game. I'm taking Purdue strictly because they're at home. It's a night game, but this game is going to be ugly. Like just smash mouth football. I mean. It's gonna be one of those games that you're gonna look at, be look at the score if you don't watch and think was there a monsoon. Yeah. Okay. Well, if it's ten six Nittany Lions, I'll take that because they would have covered. But I, I, you know, I, I think you're probably on to something there, James. I don't look look at this is this one is becoming an instaclastic anytime soon. I have no feel for this matchup. Like 
I was I was reading through the pick sheet when I was putting it together and I was going, you know, if you put something to it where I had to name one Penn State player on their active roster currently or else I couldn't make my mortgage payment, I mean, I'm going to be having to hit the homeless shelter, boys, because I, I couldn't name you one person on the roster. I literally had to look up and go, I don't even know who they got coming back. I don't know if they're going to be any good. I mean, didn't they play in that, like, nine overtime game last year where nobody could score the two-point conversion yes. in Happy yeah, Valley? Syracuse. That's exactly yeah, Syracuse. Right. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I, there's just nothing about them seems sexy to me, and that's all I'm basing this off. I'm picking Purdue because they're at home, ring the big uh, – Bang the big drum and everybody have a great night. So that, that's where I'm going. West Lafayette all the way, baby. <laughs> no science involved in that at all. <laughs> It'll be a big one for them. If they get it done, that'll be big. Yeah. Be big. And, and, Brooke, just so you know, if Purdue loses, Seth will not pick them the rest of the season if, if this does not cover. He's that's done. Pro- well, that's, pr- listen, that's probably true. One of my uh, – a guy I know who's actually a physician in town who's a Purdue guy told me, he's like, yeah, everybody's always excited at Purdue until after the first game. And then it's like, oh, well. So I'm kind of feeling that, but who knows? We'll see. I do think, man, they have some awesome uniforms too, especially when they do some of their throwback stuff. And you know I'm all for that. Plus, James will tell you, Brooke, I love a rivalry game and a rivalry trophy. So that's something the Big Ten has going for itself. Um, so yeah, I, we, we always have the trophy games on the docket each week. So yeah, the, Purdue finds itself in there every once in a while. Okay. This next one is on Saturday, kicks off part of the, the full slate on Saturday. This is a real interesting game to me. It's a noon kick NC state going to play the irate pirates at East Carolina and interesting for a lot of reasons, right? NC state is a sexy pick for a lot of people this year. Um, uh, some people have even picked them to sneak into the CFP, which I think is insane, but some people have picked them. Uh, ECU had a pretty good year last year, gave South Carolina all they wanted in week two, um, have a lot returning. I do think one of their better receivers is out the first two games of the season, but neither here nor there. Interesting matchup. NC State, a 10.5-point road favorite. Who do you like in this one, Brooke? Too many points for me, Seth. I, I'm going with the Pirates, and I think that it, it is interesting. And NC State is one of those teams, one of those schools through the years that um, nothing surprises me with them. If they go and knock off Clemson, I'm not shocked. On the other hand, if they get boat raced in a game that they were expected to win, I'm not. I'm not shocked. So had to throw in boat race at least one time. You know, I don't know who, <laughs> but I'll, I'll jump in. So I think the Pirates cover. I don't know that they win, but at ten and a half is too many for me. How about you, James? Oh, this hurts my soul. You know how much I hate picking Mike Houston in anything, but I, I think they cover. I, I do. I mean, the NC State's returning, what, 18 starters and of a team that went 9-3 and three and realistically probably should have gone 11-1. and one. It, it, They find a way to underachieve every year. I just I – don't, I don't see them doing any better than 9-3 and three this year, especially with the expectations on them. So I'm going with the Pirates. So I'm gonna we're gonna use this space as a confessional right now, boys. I hope y'all are ready. So um, I have a little bit of sentimental favor for the Pirates. My older brother went to East Carolina for his freshman year of college and had a very good time. Confessional moment. It's also where your favorite host had his first ever beer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, which I feel is a seminal moment for every young man. So. Uh, 
I'll always have that with, with East Carolina. However, that being said, I am also going to go with the Wolfpack. Um, to your point, I, I just um, – I, I is Dave Doring still there? He's still at NC State, right? Yeah. I feel like in a lot of ways, this is sort of a transitional point for him and his program. I think people expected things to happen quicker for him in Raleigh because of the success he had. Where was he at? Northern Illinois? Is that where he came from, right? Is that right? Are I, they Huskies? I'm, per- I'm pretty – that's Eastern Illinois. No, 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 Northern Illinois. You're right, Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois. Yeah. So, you know, that he had all the juice coming out of Northern Illinois. He gets the NC State job. I think everybody thinks, oh, he's going to flip this thing quick. And it's taken a little while. And that's normal. I'm kind of glad they've given him the time. I think we don't live in that world in college football now. It's very much a microwave uh, evaluation state instead of the slow cooker. So I'm glad they've given him some time. And I'm kind of excited to see what they're going to do. But I don't know. I hate this number, 10 and a half. Week one is impossible. Cause you just don't know who anybody is yet. Nobody's been punched in the mouth yet. You don't know how people are going to respond. You just don't know. There's we're coming off talking season where everybody's going to win the national title. I mean, who the heck knows, but I'm going with NC state. <laughs> Every, everybody's had a lot of chances to, you know, you've had more time to prepare and that you're not in this grind yet where it's, Hey, you're done with this game and it's time to study the film and then get either get over the loss or quit celebrating and get ready for the next one. And coaches are ahead like that during the season, but I don't know. It's, everybody's got the whole chance to prepare. All right. Next game on the slate. I love for, for many reasons, but UNC coming off a disappointing year last season, making their way up to Boone to take on App State at Kid Brewer on Saturday at noon with seemingly 13th year senior Chase Bryce at the helm <laughs> for, for App State. That's right. Uh, yeah. and, and that's a, that's a pick em. So who do you like in that one, Brooke? You know, I, I'm going with App State, guys, and that's another one that's interesting. And then just looking at the at the schedule again, you're going to have to get somewhere when you guys get into Atlanta after you've been there for five hours and then find the noon game to kick off and watch this one along with the East Carolina. <laughs> you know, I just – maybe I'm still just in shock from what they did at Michigan years ago. App State always – I don't enjoy I don't I don't like the thought of playing App State or whoever I am. So I'm I'm going with them. I, I think it's interesting. I mean, Mac Brown, I, I feel like if anybody can get a team prepared for what they're walking into and the whole mental psychology side of that, he can. I found it interesting and I'll I'll confess my ignorance. I, I was surprised to see that it was a pick'em. I didn't realize that kind of like you said earlier, Seth. I mean, I'm really not up to speed on where each of these teams is, but after looking at it, I'm going to go with App State. What you got, James? I love Chase Bryce. Give me, give me the, give me the Mountaineers. I think they're going to pull off an upset. I mean, realistically, what would, would Florida Atlantic not have last week, or Florida A and M not have last week? Twenty five players and They'd have the UNC, roster. Yeah, UNC should have blown the doors off of them, but they didn't. And I mean, they won it handedly, but it's still. I mean, would they win by twenty four? They should have won by 60. I, I don't know. UNC just – they don't do anything for me. When they're supposed to be good, they're just overrated. Uh, give me App State. I, I don't know what it is, but something's going on in Chapel Hill. I, I think it started last year, and I think it's just been a continuation. I don't know if it's Mac. I don't know if it's the kids in the program. I don't know what it is, but something ain't right. Something's off with them. And, uh, dude, number one, 
they're playing a road game in one of the more difficult road environments in all of college football. Kid Brewer ain't an easy place to go in and play and, and get a victory. So App State's got that going for him. He also got Chase Bryce, who, like I said earlier, been playing quarterback since 1989 in college football. So, I mean, they got all the experience in the world. And if you're if you're handicapping games and don't know what you want to do, I'm always going to look at the signal caller. And App State's the one that's got somebody coming back with experience. So I'm going with the Mountaineers, too. I mean, I love it. Go App State. All right, next pick this week is last year's darling, the Arkansas Razorbacks, Pig Suey, and, and everybody's favorite, Sam Pittman, hosting mm. Cincinnati, who obviously is losing a lot. Um, yeah. But I think this is a really compelling matchup. It's a 330 kick. You know that they are just going to be wooing left and right in that stadium. It's going to be bananas. Um, Arkansas is a five and a half point favorite. A lot of expectation this year. Uh, how, who do you like in that one, Brooke? I, I like the Hogs, and I, I'm like everybody else. I love Sam Pittman. I think the guy's a prince of a man. I think he's an excellent football coach, maybe even a better recruiter. He understands what they're up against. And again, in terms of the psychology, you're the home favorite. You're the darling last year you know, in social media and everything else, your players are reading about what Cincinnati's lost. But I really just feel like at the end of the day, I think Arkansas is primed to really take that next step. Maybe I'll look back and laugh at that. But I, I think they cover. I think they win. I, I'll, I'll say this. If they don't cover and win, I see it being really going the other way. And all that I just said, Cincinnati's not Georgia and Sanford Stadium last year for a noon kick where the place was electric and we just took off and, and went 37 to nothing. That's not going to happen. But I could see a situation if Arkansas is not what I believe they're going to be, Cincinnati could surprise them and, and, and win, I won't say going away, but more comfortably than we might imagine. But all that said, I'm going with the Hawks, and I think they cover and I think they win significantly. I mean, I don't even really need to ask, but who you got in this one? Give me the fighting Pittmans. Running away, Cincinnati lost way, way too much. Um, Fickle's a great coach, but, I mean, Cincinnati lost almost their entire offense, and, I mean, their defense was good, but K.J. Jefferson's coming back. I know they lost Traylon Burks, but they're returning almost their entire defense, which was really good. I think Arkansas, um, like Brooks said, is going to take the next step. Now, in the West, the next step isn't that extravagant. I mean, we might be looking at a 10-win season. But Pittman's got that program going in the right direction. And I really think – I don't think this game is going to be a six-point game. I think we're looking at probably a two-score game plus. This could be my favorite game all week. This is the one I feel the best about, I guess is the best way to put it. I love Arkansas in this game. Cincinnati is replacing a ton and at key positions. And, and not just – guys who are now working as bank tellers. We're talking guys that are playing in the NFL. And I don't think Cincinnati is at the point as a program yet where they're just plug and play when they lose talent like that. So I just don't think you can discount no longer having Desmond Ritter, no longer having Sauce Gardner, who was having a monster preseason, by the way. Sauce Gardner has been fantastic uh, in the NFL preseason. So, yeah, I, I think Arkansas is going to have a big old party in Fayetteville on Saturday afternoon. All right, this is another fun matchup with some compelling storylines carrying over from the 2021 season, and that is Houston and UTSA. UTSA, I think, if anybody said they had them as 
you know, having the season they had last year, they're lying to you. I mean, you talk about coming out of nowhere, uh, everything that their head coach has done, deciding to stay there when he was one of the sexier offseason names that could have gone somewhere else. They've got the lefty redshirt senior Frank Harris returning at quarterback. A lot of fun things on their side. Plus, they're the Roadrunners. I mean, can we? Can you have a more excellent mascot? Just meet me. I mean, just, come on now. Give me the give me that T-shirt today. <laughs> Honestly, hey, the Kool Aid has been consumed, man. I'm I'm going to UTSA. I, I looked at it hard. Houston's sort of an enigma to me. They are a lot of years, but I, I'm just. Like I said, going to drink the Kool-Aid a little longer, and I'm going to UTSA. Who you got in this one, James? Meet me. You know, I hate Holgerson. I think he's just a jackass. So, I will never I, – I can't pick Houston, no matter who they're playing. I They could be 30-point favorites against D2 school, and I'm going to pick the D2 school. Uh, Holgerson just – I can't stand him. So, I'm going with the Roadrunners. Hey, man, I rode with them all last year. I sure ain't going to stop now. So I'm going with the Roadrunners, too. Like I said earlier, they got Frank Harris coming back, who was the emotional leader and pivotal player on that roster last year. They obviously got something good working there. Um, So, yeah, I'm going with the Roadrunners. That's not to say we won't be wrong. It's just I think I like what they got going on, and I think this is going to be another fun one. That 330 block, man, we're going to miss some great games. I'm going to have to have the DDR yeah. already so I can catch up on Sunday or on, when we get back. But, yeah, those, those are a couple that are going to be real interesting to watch while we're in the stadium. The next one I think we'll all probably be uh, uniform in our opinions on. But the opening game at the Swamp this year, mm-hmm. the Utah Utes, who we talked about earlier, are going into Gainesville to play Florida, who obviously went over, uh, had a lot of change in the offseason, and kind of who knows what they're going to be this year. First-year head coach there in Billy Napier. Uh, Utah is a two-and-a-half-point favorite going into the swamp. Brooke, could you like in that one? Boys, I'm going to tell you something that I know will come as no surprise and that I, I, I know that um, you will both echo enthusiastically. I, I, I'm trying to imagine a circumstance under which I would in any way, shape, or form pull for the University of Florida. <laughs> and I, I've racked my brain on this, and the only thing I could come up with and they've done this before. It's been a long time. But if Florida was playing tech, I certainly wouldn't pull for Florida. I, I think about the best I could do is I hope it would rain like hell and the power would go out and they tie zero to zero and they both feel like they lost. Uh-oh. But I would pull for Florida. Surely to goodness, Florida can cover and, and, and beat Utah at home. I, I mean, you'd like to think they can. But I'm not picking it. Go Utes. I hope they win. I, I hope it's a disaster. I hope they're filing out of there. There's action in the aisles midway through the third quarter. Wouldn't hurt my feelings if it rained on the ones that stayed. Whatever. I hope they get back and they left their lights on and they can't pack up the tailgate because the battery's dead. Utah is going to cover. And who knows, man? I know a lot of people are drinking that Kool-Aid for the Utes. I don't know. All I'm concerned about is them going into the swamp and taking care of business. Count on it. That is undoubtedly my favorite pick in the history of the show. I'm just, put, I'm I'm just, I'm I'm just putting that on the board right now. That was outstanding. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't even know how we follow that up, homie. I mean, you just say, did you say all the – Everybody in the affirmative say I like, so should we just say I after that? I mean, 
Brooke, Brooke just been on the pulpit. I feel like he just testified for us. So I, I mean, I don't even know what else we need to say, homie. <laughs> um, uh, go Utes. Uh, I, that's, I'm shocked at the number. I know. Let me, let me just go with that. I, I'm shocked at the number. I know they're coming across country, but does Vegas know something we don't like? I mean, are they just buying into the Anthony Richardson hype? Like they bought into the Emory Jones hype last year. Like, I don't get the number. Like two and a half just seems really low. Of all the number the spreads we looked at for this week, that's the one that bothers me the most on our pick'em sheet. I know we talked about the one prior uh, before the before we started taping, but the South Carolina one. But this one bothers me the most because it's just it stinks. But I don't. I mean, I won't pick Florida no matter what. It's just the number bothers me. But go Utes. Yeah. I- I'm with Brooke. I, there's not a scenario I can imagine where I would pick Florida. I just, I just wouldn't do it. So um, I, I certainly ain't going to start today. I can tell you that, but I do agree with you. This number stinks out loud to me. I, because it just seems like easy money. I mean, I, I don't know what, what they're expecting Florida is going to do. I mean, if they just think, Oh, Florida's going to have edge talent and Anthony rich, he's going to have a monster game or whatever, right? Billy Napier's lit the fire under him and they're going to play up to their potential. I just, man, I don't see it. I just don't see it. I think this is a game where Utah asserts itself early and often and they don't do much about it. So this is another one where do you think the game plan is much different than it was against Oregon? I think they try to run up and punch you in the mouth. I mean, they're going to out physical Florida all game long. Run straight at Brenton Cox. Yeah. He can't stop the run. hundred percent. Yeah, I'm on board with that. All right, next one is the other big-time mm-hmm. matchup on Saturday. And you got Notre Dame going into the horseshoe, Ohio State ready to give them everything they want. Ohio State is a 17-and-a-half-point home favorite. Notre Dame's fifth-ranked team in the country, boys. 17-and-a-half-point dog. Who are you liking that one, Brooke? I'm going to throw one more overused expression on y'all. It's a bridge too far for me. That's too many points. It's just too many points. I think both of them are overrated, James and Seth. I really believe that. I think they're both overrated. How much so, we'll see. I think Notre Dame perennially is overrated most years. But I just it, – it's I, I believe the Irish cover. I don't think they're going to win. Ohio State may surprise me, and, and maybe they're better than we think. Maybe Notre Dame truly is overrated. Maybe Ohio State has one of those, those nights where it all goes their way and they do it. I, I can't say I'd be shocked by that. But I looked at that again and again and again, and it's just too many points for me. I've got to go with honors. All right, really big number. Who you got in this one, James? I hate this game. I, you know I hate this game. You know I hate Ohio State and Notre Dame. Anytime they're on a pick sheet, I just cringe. And now they're playing each other. Every year, Ohio State in the beginning of the year is favored by a huge number against teams they should demolish. And I picked them, and they burned me. Last year against Minnesota, I picked them. Last year against Oregon, I picked them. Mm-hmm. This year, I'm going to go the opposite, and they're probably going to destroy Notre Dame. But I'm going to go with the Irish. I like Freeman as a coach. I think he's going to. I think he's going to elevate that program. I think he's going to make Notre Dame what everyone, all the pundits, think Notre Dame was with Kelly as coach. I think he has the ability as an actual uh, player's coach to elevate that program. I, I, Kelly just wasn't. So I really think that Notre Dame could elevate itself with Freeman as coach. I don't think they win, 
just there's too much edge talent and too much speed with Ohio State, but I and it's at the shoe, but I think that they cover. I share all of your apprehension. So this shapes up two ways for me. Either it's the Minnesota and Oregon games, which I picked correctly, or it's the Michigan State game, which I didn't pick correctly. <laughs> so which one is it? I mean, they have that potential to come out and put you in a blender quick and the game's over with because of the outside talent that they have. My only, I guess, hesitation about that is, you know, that Michigan State game was what? We're two months into the season. They were humming on all cylinders. Yeah. Week one, man, they looked real stop and start when they played Minnesota. Now, I know that was on the road at Minnesota, all those things. And you know your boy wasn't going to pick against row the boat. But this just feels too big, too big of a number. I, I, I know Notre Dame has lost some things and the coaching change and all this. But from a program perspective, nothing much changed. And the more interviews you hear, the less flattering it becomes for Brian Kelly from former players. So I don't think the players are uh, losing anything by having Mark Freeman as the head coach. Right. So I don't know, man. And I, I like him. I like his vibe. I like the swagger he brings. And um, I don't know, man. I, I just, again, I don't think they're going to win straight up. 17 and a half points is a lot of points. So I, I'm going with the Irish, man. All right, we got a Sunday matchup because it is Labor Day weekend. Florida State and LSU going to tee it up at the Superdome, the Caesars Superdome. Mm-hmm. And uh, LSU is a two-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. You got to figure they're going to have the home field advantage. There's going to be Cajuns everywhere on Bourbon Street getting rowdy and loud. Who do you like in that one, Brooke? I'm going with the Tigers, and I um... – I just, it's, it's, you know, as we all know, that's a tough place to play. They'll be tough. They'll be ready. And honestly, y'all, I just, I think Florida state, it just, I'm going to believe it when I see it. I I mean, I, you, you think surely to goodness, eventually they'll get this thing turned around. If they don't, they'll be coach shopping again. Who knows what their financial sheet looks like with that down there, but I'm I'm going with LSU to cover. And I, I think they, I think they more than cover. In other words, I, I think they win, and it won't be as close as the odds makers think. Okay. All right. What you think in this neutral site? Although I guess you could say air quotes neutral site since they're playing in Nolens. But who you like, Tigers or Knowles? Well, my logic for the West Virginia pick kind of goes out the window with this one because this is the same logic with Florida State. This is Norville's last shot. Like if they don't turn it around here, I know he has a huge buyout, but I mean they have to. They have to do well this year. With that being said, they still don't have the talent. They just don't have the players. And they're also playing a team with, a, with talent. Not necessarily saying that their coaching is going to be all that great because I'm not a Kelly fan, and he just made himself look like a gigantic idiot going with that Southern accent. But I don't see the talent level. There's just too much of a disparity there. This is also a number I don't really understand. I know LSU was not that good last year, and – but their talent level, they're, they're just not comparable with the two. And I don't see Florida State being able to compete in this game. I, I really think this is going to be a blowout. I really think LSU is going to run away with this one. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. This was a funny number to me. This is one of those where 
is this just a, we don't know what each side's going to be yet because there's so much transition at LSU. And there's also, you know, we, we don't exactly know what FSU is going to be with Norvell this year. Like we just don't know a lot of unknowns. Right. But for me, I'm with you. I just think Jimmy's and Joe's wise LSU's rosters, just better. Certainly three points better. Now, they had very uneven quarterback play last year, which to me is a huge deal, as you know. But aren't they? Didn't they get the kid from ASU, Jaden Daniels? And Jaden Daniels gonna be the starting quarterback. I mean, good player, yeah. good athlete. I don't think he ever really completely put it together at Arizona State, but I think that's a good fit. And you know, Brian Kelly, love him or hate him, he wins. You know, so I think you put him in a place with that talent up and down the roster, especially year one before the shine kind of wears off and people aren't attuned to what a turd he can be. I, I think, I think they're going to have some results this year that surprise some people if they stay healthy. So I'll definitely take them in this one with that number. All right. All of that was an appetizer. And now we're going to get, now we're going to get to the main course. And for the main course, we are serving roast duck. Yes, and, are. The dogs are facing off against Oregon in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Dogs are a 16 and a half point favorite, which if you're a dogs fan, you're not used to seeing that in a marquee matchup like this, which is part of the new reality. And I'm embracing it, baby. So dogs is a 16 and a half point favorite. Who you like, Brooke? You know, it's the converse, Seth and, and James, of what I said earlier about Florida. I can never pick against the dogs, even though I might look and say that that is a lot of points. And I think most people around the nation are probably looking at that. Maybe as we look at Ohio State and Notre Dame, say, gosh, that's a lot of points. Can they really cover? And, and I believe we can. I believe we will. I, I think the dogs are for real. I, I think that we're reloaded. I think we are raring to go. Um, I, I think the not that Oregon doesn't have plenty of talent. They do. And they've got plenty of speed. But we got speed and we got players everywhere and we got depth. I, I think, as y'all mentioned earlier, on both lines of scrimmage, I think our ability to rotate is just we're finally at that place, praise be, where we've got the ability and the depth to do that. Um, I love what James said earlier. I, I, I could see it being – I think he's exactly right and I have such great memories of the night we, we took it to Clemson in 2014 where it just sort of – was, was leaning that way, and then we broke it open. I think that's what's going to happen. I think it's a great night for the dogs, um, and, and it is fun. I mean, y'all, we got to embrace it. We're a 16-and-a-half-point favorite against, by any measuring stick, a quality, quality opponent. Let's see if we can take care of business and do it. I'm, I'm, I'm saying we can and we will, and we come back to Sanford Stadium at least as the third-ranked defending national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. In the history of the show, I don't know that we've ever picked against the dogs. And I don't assume you're going to start now, but I'm going to ask you who you got. <laughs> no, I, there, there has been one. I did pick against them once in one of the FCS games when the spread was like 47, I think. I think I did pick the, <laughs> the FCS team. And believe it or not, this, I, they, did, they did not cover that game. So I actually won that week. Um, but... Every other game, I'm picking the dogs. I mean, I already gave my analysis earlier. I think this is going to be close early, and I think the dogs run away late. I think there's just – Laney is going to need some time. I said it last week. Laney is going to need some time. He has the tools in the linebacking core 
but the rest of the defense, the defensive line and the secondary, they're not what he wants yet. He's going to need a couple of cycles to build that roster up to what he wants. Um, and it's still Bo Nix. It's still yeah. Bo Nix. And as long as Bo Nix is under center that whole game, I'm not worried at all about the offense. Now, if Ty Thompson comes into that game, he's an athlete. He is a freshman, but that kid's an athlete. That kid's talented. That might cause an inexperienced defense some problems, but it's still not enough to win the game and not enough to, for us to not cover. Yeah, the Bo Nix thing is big for me. You just know what you're getting. I think Kirby kind of said it best. We know who's playing quarterback. And he said that in a way that you know what that really means. Like, we know we're preparing for and we got a real good game plan for that because we've done it. I mean, they haven't just beaten Bo Nix when he was at Auburn. Bo Nix was a non-factor in those games. And I don't expect it to be any different on Saturday. So that's one side of it. The other side of it is I think Oregon has a talent disparity problem. Uh, They just don't have the roster depth to compete with Georgia. We have got to get it through our heads as Georgia fans that we are now one of the Giants. And the roster shows that. The results show that. We got to embrace that. I mean, we just got to step into that and live in it. I think people are nervous as hell that this is a big number like this, 16 and a half points, because they haven't stepped into the space yet that this is what it should be. We should be favored like this. This is an Alabama number. This is what Alabama would be favored in a game like this. That's what we are now. Embrace that. Accept it. Lean into it, baby. What do we always say? Good old days are right damn now. Lean into it, man. I mean, just enjoy this ride. And I am so, so fired up to see them play and to celebrate them and to enjoy this. And, man, I I think it's going to be a really, really fun night for Dogs fans in Atlanta. Maybe get rid of a little bit of those demons from last December, even though not completely, but have a nice celebratory night in Atlanta as opposed to one where you're down in the dumps. So that's what I'm looking forward to Saturday. And I can't wait to be there with all y'all. All right, Brooke, we always say that week one is the most difficult one to pick. So we appreciate you being so brave and coming on and and going through the slate with us. We're certainly going to be rooting for you. And uh, we're also really, really excited to, to hear you back in Sanford on the 10th uh, nice. announcing, announcing our national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. So, um, you, you know, we love having you on and you always got an open invitation and we love everything you do for, for Georgia Bulldogs fans and, and for, um, for everything that has to do with the program. And uh, you're just one of the best, man. So thank Listen, you for hanging out with us, Brooke. And, and we, look, hey, hey, we, gotta, we gotta get up with you in Atlanta. Well, listen, I was just about to say, you guys, please, I don't know where you're going to be. We're going to be set up at this Home Depot backyard, not far from the stadium tailgating. Get there yeah. pretty early. If y'all are around there, please hit me up. And um, I, you got, I sent you my number, didn't I, Seth? Yep. I think yep. Got, well, hit me up. We'd love to meet you guys in person and, and review some of these picks and make sure that y'all's flight landed safely and that there, it was without incident getting to, uh, to the bend. So, um, definitely would love to do that. And I appreciate y'all having me on, man. This is a joy. You guys do a great job. And uh, it really makes me feel like football season is here. And I'm not just saying that. I don't know that I felt an hour ago like I do right now. So thank y'all. Well, we love hearing that, Brooke. And we'll definitely get up with you Saturday and we'll all get to enjoy and celebrate and have fellowship around the dogs together. And right. uh, as we always say, and it's got a little more weight uh, this week, go dogs, sick them. Go dogs, sick them. See you guys soon. Thanks. Thanks again. Hey, George is better now.